Everybody and welcome back to Coffee Connections. My name is Seth Weiner and I am your rock chenier on a Tuesday. Not just any other Tuesday. It's November 3rd. You know what that means, right? It's national. Do not look at your TV at all day. Okay, well, maybe you're looking at your TV, but not right now because you're here and we have a wonderful guest for you all today. Uh, before I get into the guests, I do want to just tell everybody uh, some good news, exciting news. We're going to take all of our broadcasts that we've had, all of the Coffee Connections, and we're going to put them out on audio. Yeah, so if you don't like my face, that's okay. You don't have to look at it anymore. We'll put it out. I'll share it on coffeeconnections.live, and that's where you can go to uh, get all the information to see all of our past episodes if you want to watch them or listen to them uh, through the podcast. But now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me tell you about our guest this week. Our guest is Dove Wilker. Now, Dove is with, he's the regional director of AJC Atlanta. Uh, he's been there since 2011 as the national director for Black Jewish relations uh, since 2018. Uh, he's very active in the community. He serves as a class captain for Lead Atlanta Class of 2015, the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition's Georgia Advisory Committee, and the Advisory Council for the Atlanta Ballet, which I didn't know until the other day, which is an exciting thing we'll talk about at the end. After earning his international MBA from Tel Aviv University, Dove worked for an Israeli software startup. So Dove has done it all, and he's here to tell us all about it, and especially what he's doing to, uh, right now. So let me bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause for Dove. How you doing, Dove? I'm good, man. How are you today, Seth? <laughs> I am. They say space is the place. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they don't have elections on space yet, so I think if, you, if you're out there, you don't have to know what's going on in the United States. Well, uh, but apparently they're building cell phone towers now in the moon. Isn't that, did, did you hear this? I, no. I think it, yeah, there's like a bid war between 18. I, I don't know. I, I got some some third party thing that I saw. At any rate, <laughs> yes, the cell phone tower on the moon. That's there's talk of this. Why do they um, need them on the moon? Just having orbiting in space as a part of the space station. My thought on the moon was that you know, ground control to Major Tom, you know, David Bowie and. Then like they wanted to get David Bowie's music to the astronauts in a better way, and they figured that, you know, Spotify and like so now Spot. I don't know. So it's it's crazy. You're gonna have Spotify is gonna have a moon playlist now. Yes, yes. You can only hear on the moon. 
Oh gosh, Dark Side of the Moon. Only Dark Side of the day. Moon. There you go. <laughs> well, Dove, uh, before we get into things, coffee talk. Let's have some coffee talk. Do you have co- do you have a mug with you? I have my mug. Let's, Let's take here. a look at this mug. There we go. It says ideas nice. take flight. Wonderful. It, What's the story behind this? You know, so one day in uh I was in my office and I saw this mug, and I like the mug in part because it's not a rectangular square mug. Like yours is a traditional coffee mug size. Well, I mean, right? you know. You know, I mean it's the world's okayest dad, but it's you know, it's got a flat base to it that's the same yeah. width as the mouth. However, my mug is actually, you, you can maybe tell it's curved slightly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and then the handle is also slightly curved. It's got this. So it is a, uh, to be honest, it's just a comfortable mug to be able to drink out of that I think is less than eight ounce, 12 ounces. Uh, so I've been using it nearly every day for, God, probably 10 years now. Isn't that crazy? Like that, that, that I'm going to have to ask people how long they've had the gla- their mugs for because as you get older, you kind of stick with things, right? It's like we are creatures of habits for sure, but I mean, when it comes to like things like our mug, we drink out of the same mug. I'm, you know, at home, I have a different mug at home uh, because this is my office mug and I happen to be one of the better, you know, few people who gets to come and do an office every day. And this is my mug in the office, my, but my mug at home you know, if I don't wash it, then I don't get to use it. So I have to make sure I wash it after I use it every time. Do you drink coffee? You know, you have two kids, you said. Uh, and two kids, so yeah. Do you drink coffee on the weekends? Oh, absolutely. I drink coffee every day. I think I even drink, I drink two cups in the morning and I'm a, and I'm a, I'm a basic coffee person. I don't have fancy coffee. I got Folgers. I got Maxwell House. I got, you know, whatever I can buy for cheap at Trader Joe's. The low, you know, to me, the cheaper is more likely. And then one day a few weeks ago, I bought a, uh, a pound of coffee from A Thousand Faces in Athens. Oh, yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. And it, it was something new that I'd never experienced before. Good quality coffee. Uh, so in other words, you experience caffeine. No. <laughs> I know. I experienced the nutty and the berries and the chocolate hints that I didn't know existed in a cup of coffee because Folgers is just ground beans no it was kind of funny when you think about coffee though like because that's coffee since i remember was talked about in that way and now it's like you're the whole dining experience is that way oh. it used to just be the coffee now it's um and uh the green beans uh one was named the first bean that you're going to eat its name was saul i don't know whatever <laughs> like they just give you like you know the, 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 all the details the, the cows they 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 had 12 hours of sun on that and that on, on one side uh, i don't know they get, they get you ever seen too Port, specific. Portlandia? You ever oh, seen that yeah, show? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think it's the first episode of the series has that sort of in there. They're in a restaurant and they sure. say, what, uh, you know, what, the chicken's name is something. And they said, well, you know, they, they, they go out to visit the farm and then they end up joining a cult. And then they come back seven years later to the same table with the same waitress who's been standing there the entire time. And they said, I think I'll have the fish. but you're right i mean i drink look you know it's i drink probably two cups of coffee in the morning and then an espresso or a macchiato in the afternoon um and like i lived in israel for a number of years so coffee there is an experience it's not so much about the flavor but it's about it's about the the being it's about the socialization it's about community it's about 
the process of making your coffee. Uh, and you know, well, so they're we very hear, European in that sense. Like they, they they do the espresso, little shots, and sit down and sip. And that's right. You know, maybe maybe there's a little little froth of milk, maybe to it. Um, and so I've I've actually been I continue to be disappointed by coffee in general because the experience of having coffee in America is oh let me have some you know filtered you know black coffee or maybe some sugar maybe some cream. Uh, but the mug is, you know, the mug grounds me during the day, I can say. There you go. Now, I, I, I'll i finish by saying I do like a mug of coffee, but I uh, have the insulated cup. And that's okay. became my mug now because because why it I, I'm I don't I'm not I'm a. I don't know. I'm a Gemini, so I don't really savor things. It's hard for me to really okay. just like, in, you know, I know, if I get a cup of coffee in a mug, it's gone. It's like, I mean, it hot and then it starts cooling down and then it's gone. And so I drink a lot more coffee in the mug versus if I have it in the, in the thermos type thing, I sip on it for an hour or so. That's uh, I haven't gotten that far yet, but that's something to look into. I actually bought my brother yesterday a, uh, a Stanley travel French press mug. That's funny you say that because that's the one mug that I, 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 I normally just ask people if they do French press or drip, but you already said Folgers. So I'm like, I'm not going to even go there. Right. But when we talk about that, I have the French, the traveler French press. And I use that as a gift for people now because I live off that. I do the hot water, the French uh, press, and that's my morning. And I don't do drip anymore. Ooh. It takes too much drip. time. You need, I mean, to it me. It doesn't take time. I press a button on the water. I give my kid oatmeal with the water. I pour the thing. It's like, it's, it, and, and it, quite frankly, it slows me down, which is something that's needed in my life. So I, I went to a, a mindfulness session um, pre-COVID. It must have been February. And that was one of the things they said. They said, you know, savor, find those opportunities to sort of savor a few minutes. So you have found that making French press coffee is partly about your mindfulness and you're able to yeah. focus on it. Yeah. I You hit the that and cooking. Same thing. Cooking. I don't cook. I See, it's, it's meditative. It, it, gra- it grounds me. It gives me that, that it helps me balance myself. And so does running. And like, those are the, those three things, <laughs> French press, running and cooking to a healthy life. Interesting. Do you, do, so now I have to ask, do you use an electric kumkum or do you use a, a pot of water on the stove? No, no. The, one of the, the glass one that you just press a button and it heats up, boils the water. Oh, so that's use an electric kettle. Yeah, yeah, electric kettle there. Yeah, electric kettle. Sorry, the Hebrew, the Hebrew. I, I'm. It, it's it doesn't sound as good an electric kettle in English, but if you say kumkum in Hebrew, it just sounds better, and because it's the sound, which that, is a rarity, by the way, in Hebrew, something sounding better. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's um, let uh, enough coffee talk. Uh, but let let's talk about your organization, uh, American Jewish Committee, and the Atlanta side of it. Um, to, I'm just gonna go ahead and hand it over to you. Great. So uh, American Jewish Committee is a global Jewish advocacy organization. We have 24 offices in the U.S. and 14 offices overseas in partnerships with 37 Jewish communities around the world. Uh, We work in two key areas, uh, intergroup relations and governmental affairs. So intergroup relations is work with the ethnic and religious communities. It's our Black Jewish coalition. It's engaging with the Latino community, the Indian community, the Asian community. Uh, on the religious side, it's, uh, you know, with the Catholic community, the Church of Latter-day Saints, uh, the Baptist community, uh, the Muslim community, you know, in an effort to create relationships and understanding about who we are as Jews, 
what are the needs and uh, priorities of the communities that we work with, and overall, you know, create a better understanding of the community that we live in. And the other side of our work is governmental affairs. Uh, we work with elected officials and diplomats uh, to advocate for Israel, to advocate and combat anti-Semitism, and to promote democratic values and human rights here in the United States and around the world. So our, our work is really about finding, you know, long-term bridge building and short-term advocacy and, and bringing those two pieces together to be able to advocate on behalf of, of Jews, both in the United States and around the world. Uh, we've been in Atlanta for over 75 years. We have been, uh, as, an org as a global organization, we were founded in 1906, so we're coming up on 115 years. Uh, and, you know, we really, uh, we sort of engage with people in in the middle, but from both sides of the aisle. So we're not, we're a non-partisan organization, and we believe very much in, you know, using our opportunities to educate about who we are as Jews and what makes us unique. Interesting. Well, I, I had no clue that this organization was that old. That's amazing. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's really incredible. And that's, uh, but, but um, you mentioned, uh, well, so one of the things that comes to mind is that the, I'm well, trying to remember the name, is the ADF, the anti? ADL. ADL, thank you. So yeah. do you work with them or is there parallelness there? So that's when, yeah. when you described your mission, that's kind of the first thing I think of. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that, you know, in Atlanta, I believe that all the Jewish organizations are complementary. So, you know, whether we're working with the Federation, we're working with the Jewish Community Relations Council, the JCC, Jewish Family and Career Services, uh, ADL, uh, the schools, the synagogues, I believe APAC, we're all complementary organizations. Uh, we all have our uniquenesses, but then we all, you know, try to partner uh, to advance our issues and, and the style that we have. So, each organization functions a little bit differently from a stylistic standpoint, uh, from an approach, uh, from our, our leadership. Um, you know, we, you know, AJC in Atlanta, you know, our young professionals group is called Access. Uh, we've had a, uh, uh, it's been around for over 30, 35 years now as a way to engage young professionals in advocacy. We do, we have a program for high school students called Leaders for Tomorrow. Um, you know, so... Our work, I, I'd say, is is different than others uh, in our approach, in our style, but also in some of the content. Although, you know, every Jewish organization deals with Israel and many Jewish organizations uh, work to combat anti-Semitism. You know, our work specifically with elected officials and with religious and ethnic leader, leaders, as well as business leaders. We actually, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but, you know, each year we, uh, we have a program called the National Human Relations Award where we recognize uh, a corporate citizen for their uh, leadership in the community. And and I think, you know, all of those connections and and relationships sort of help to differentiate AJC from the other Jewish organizations. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, where are we with, in terms of anti-Semitism right now, do you feel? Are we at a better place than we've been? Or are we at a worse place? Because you, you know, I noticed that you had a report that came out recently, right? Yeah, and you actually you had a slide up uh, from the report on um, uh, at the beginning in the first minute of slide. So, look, it, we as our, the report's called the State of Anti-Semitism 2020, and the report was a combination of two surveys. One, we surveyed Amer the American Jewish population, and we also surveyed the non-Jewish 
population. And each survey was done, interviewed about over a thousand people between the ages of 18 and, and older. Um, and the American Jewish community is worried about the state of anti-Semitism. Uh, you know, eight, nine in 10 American Jews are worried, are concerned, see it as a problem. 75% uh, of the general U.S. population sees anti-Semitism as a problem. And it, it sort of surprised me because for the last eight months, we've been living you know, inside our homes. We really haven't been connecting with people. But one of the things that we've seen is through the, uh, you know, through the Internet, is an area where there's a lot of concern around the rise of anti-Semitism. Uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, uh, you know, all of the platforms have foster, un unfortunately, foster anti-Semitism in some way because of the ability to communicate between people and also the ability to sort of be anonymous, you know, especially on a platform like Twitter or Snapchat, you know, you can, it's not your name that you have to use. It's not your ID. You can, you know, you, if you're Twitter, I don't know. Do you have Twitter before I say something wrong? <laughs> yeah, Twitter's fine. Yeah, it's fine. No, I mean, but like your, I mean, Seth, if your handle on Twitter is Rock Chenier, nobody knows that it's Seth Weiner. It's just Rock Chenier and it's what Rock Chenier thinks. So I think there is um, a, a lot of concern. There's also, you know, there, there are direct parallels between um, edu level of education and anti-Semitic feelings or understanding. Uh, so the higher, the, the more advanced education you have, the less likely you are, uh, the more likely you are to understand some of the core tenets of anti-Semitism, know what, what it is, have an idea of what it is, you know, understand that the Holocaust is, was a thing, uh, was, was an event, you know, it, it's, we're concerned, you know, uh, about yeah, yeah. a third of the Jewish community uh, of those surveyed is concerned about doing anything that identifies them publicly as being Jewish. And about 25% also are concerned about attending a Jewish institution or event for fear of anti-Semitism. So mm. what does that say? It says that we've got a problem. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not from one specific source. It's from actually three different sources, right? It's from, it's from the far right. Uh, it's from the far left. And it's from uh, Islamist extremism. And actually, just yesterday, there was an incident in, um, there was a terrorist attack in Austria, and they they were worried that the target was the synagogue. Uh, now, thankfully, it didn't turn out to be the case, but, you know, it's, you know, in, in the United States, we saw, you know, uh, cemeteries being desecrated. Obviously, we've had the instances in, in Pittsburgh and Poway. Uh, there, just the other day in Cobb County, there was someone um, who put up a lawn, a yard sign that was something like, uh, you know, Nazis for Trump or something like that. You know, it, it's, it's, it's bad. We're seeing, and we're seeing it everywhere, right? You see it in schools, you see it in politics, you see it in sports, you see yeah. it from celebrities. I mean, you, you name it and there's, it, it, there's anti-Semitism there. Yeah. The, the Nazi thing is so weird. The, the fact that like people are embracing the, the SWAT sticker again, it's like, like, it just it just blows my mind. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, or where you come, you don't have to be Jewish. It's just like you know, you know, if you saw Star Wars, you're like you're like, all right, there's the good guys and the bad guys. Like, you know, and, and well, depending on which way you look at it, of course. But um, yeah. But well, it just it just it doesn't make any sense that that people are like, oh, this is a good idea. I want to wear this. This is this represents me. It's like well, but but I think it's important. It's important for us to remember that you know anti-Semitism exists 
everywhere by all kinds of people. And it's not, you know, we thought that with uh, with the end of World War II, that, you know, anti-Semitism would go away, that people would understand. But, but unfortunately, there are just people who, who hate. And there's no better way, unfortunately, to describe it. They do you just, think that do you think that with Jewish with Jewish comedy and um, how we are, you know, we make fun of ourselves? Yeah, um, that that helps or hurts in, in the sense of does it like hurt, hurt or hurt the cause of, uh, of do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, look, I, I think that Jewish comedy is uh, is helpful, right? Because if, if one thing we as a Jew, look, Jews are, you know, less than two percent of the U.S. population, right? We're small. Uh, in Atlanta, we're maybe 150,000 out of an out of a region of you know six and a half seven million. So again, we're an insignificant number, uh, and we have in sort of an outsized uh, awareness because of celebrity, because of TV, because of movies. Uh, so what I think that Jewish comedy has helped to do, and I think all of these, it, it helps to create awareness of you know of Jews, um, which is. You know, on the one hand, you could say, well, doesn't that make it easier for them to hate us? But on the other hand, I, I look at it and say, you know what? It makes it a lot easier for us to be understood because there's there's somebody that can always be connected to us. Uh, so, you know, if Seinfeld is sort of the easy example of that one. Like, you know, while unfortunately it's not on TV anymore, you know, nobody would question whether or not Seinfeld was Jewish. Right. So, you know, whether they like, you know, I hope that because they hate, you know, hopefully they didn't hate Seinfeld. Right. Like, it's a good. It's a good show. I mean, some some people could, but that, they could. But I don't think they're going to be anti-Semitic because of Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, although I'm always reminded of the scene from Seinfeld about the anti-dentite. Yes, of course. Uh, right. You know, like the, the dentist who becomes Jewish just so he can tell the jokes. Yeah. You know, I I do think actually that we've um, that that we have sort of increased our awareness about the type of jokes that we tell about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because because of the rise of anti-Semitism, you know, we, we're being much more careful about it, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Well, like I said, I have a seven year old son. Right. And yeah. I remember being well, I don't remember. I remember vaguely being seven, but I definitely remember being young and mm -hmm. being Jewish. And, you know, my son actually identifies himself as Jewish. Um, mm -hmm. He's from a mixed marriage and whatnot, but he's still he, you know, I guess, you know, blow, he blows the shofar. He's a he's a Jew. And um <laughs> But I remember as a kid, like the the feeling of like being the stereotype of being cheap or being these things. And I'm noticing that in his world, he doesn't have that. He doesn't come to me with those things. And wow. I thought I thought about that the other day beyond our talk. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Like he doesn't he doesn't identify in, in, in these negative ways that I did. And I don't know, maybe it's the fortunate piece of the school he goes to or the people he's around. But, um, but well, I don't think that was different. It's also a sign of the times a little bit. You know, I was, uh, I was talking, I was in an interview yesterday with somebody about sort of anti-Semitism in the deep South. And, and one of the things I believe is because, you know, we live in a community that in the city of Atlanta, where there is a large Jewish population, uh, people know a little bit more about us. So, you know, in a community where there are no Jews or where, you know, right. there might be the synagogue used to be, uh, there, you're more likely to sort of ex directly experience that because there aren't Jews within the community to be able to help, you know, challenge people's thoughts. 
and, uh, yeah, and then and they also have the events like the the you had the Atlanta Jewish Music Festival, the Atlanta right. Jewish Film Festival, the Kosher right. Barbecue Festival, right. like these type of citywide events that that people see it it, it creates that it, it, you're right it breaks down that bound that border um, yeah. and and people are like oh well you know it's comfort it's comforting now what kind of work do you do with the uh, you mentioned all the like the muslims and the blacks and all this but i feel like the blacks uh i feel like racism and anti-semitism yep. have so many similarities and and all on the and, and and it really comes down to cultural differences you yeah. know and are you working with other like civil rights and sort of things like that to, to help? To help. So, yeah. So one of our initiatives is called the Atlanta black Jewish coalition. Uh, oh, and that? so the black Jewish coalition was founded in 1982 uh, in response to the renewal of the voting rights act by John Lewis and oh, yeah. Cecil Alexander. Uh, John Lewis at the time was a city council member. And Cecil Alexander uh, was a Jewish architect uh, who designed Turner Field, Coca-Cola headquarters, uh, the building formerly known as 18, the Bell South Tower, uh, just to name a few. And also huh. um, designed the interim flag for the state of Georgia. Um, when we when we when the Georgia flag transitioned from having a Confederate flag within. Right. Uh, the interim flag was Cecil's design. Uh, and Cecil was a, a, a leader in the civil rights movement in that he often brought together the black and white leadership of the community uh, at his home for conversations. So the coalition uh, has been active for nearly 37 years. Uh, and, and we work in partnership, yeah, with the National Urban League or with the Urban League of Greater Atlanta, uh, with the Center for Civil and Human Rights, uh, for, with you know, various leaders in, in the black community, uh, as well as with the Jewish community too. You know, create a better understanding of who we are as Jews, who the Black community is, uh, to advocate together on uh, on important legislation like uh, voting rights, uh, like uh, the hate crimes legislation in, in Georgia, um, and uh, and also to sort of in, increase the awareness of the Black Jewish community. Right, a lot of what we've seen as a result of the summertime is is an understanding within the Jewish community of our own diversity. So using the Black Jewish Coalition as a platform uh, to increase awareness about the about Black Jews and other Jews of color. I mean, the fact that, you know, not all Jews are of Ashkenazic descent. And, you know, in Israel, over 50 percent of the of Israelis are not Ashkenazi right. uh, in, in Atlanta. While, yes, many of our synagogues are Ashkenazi. I mean, we clearly have a very diverse Jewish community from Latin America, from Israel, from Asia, from Europe, uh, all who represent different, you know, different backgrounds and, and, and lifestyles. Um, so our work in the coalition is really focused on sort of creating opportunities for people to meet, to discuss the issues of the day and have a frank conversation with each other. Uh, we do you know, something exciting that we actually just launched yesterday is we're doing a black Jewish teen initiative. Uh, so getting high school students, senior, juniors and seniors in high school to uh, come together uh, to get to know each other a little bit better uh, because these opportunities for true understanding we know will lead to better relations in the future. Mm -hmm. So we, wow. you know, we that, uh, and that's similar, you know, it's based on that model that we engage with all of the other minority communities that we, that we work with. But 
you know, this summer, it's been a lot about understanding, you know, racism, uh, criminal justice, uh, policing, you know, civil rights, civil rights in America today. Yeah, no, it's it's something, man. So you guys are <laughs> very we do busy. Lot, <laughs> we do a lot. It, it's you know, it, and it's also, I would say, like in light of uh, you know today's election day, um, you know, there's look, you've got an interesting example of it, and this is really is a, a nonpartisan comment, but. If you look at Kamala Harris and her husband, Doug Emhoff, uh, I, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, you know, he's Jewish. She's both of black and Indian descent. Uh, so she is herself is biracial. And it, it's a lot about, you know, how we connect with each other. I mean, the, the bonds that unite the black and Jewish communities have been together for, you know, 70, 80 years. I mean, you, you can go as far back. So the opening night feels... Uh, film at the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival in February was this film called Shared Legacies. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a documentary about the history of the black Jewish relationship during the civil rights movement. And one of the initiatives that it doesn't talk about much on, though, because it focused on the civil rights movement, was uh, Rosenwald schools, which were, uh, are you familiar with Rosenwald schools? No, just so, Epstein schools. <laughs> so Julius Rosenwald was the, was the CEO of Sears and Roebuck. Uh, and he, oh. a Jewish businessman, and he wanted to help uh, expand education. So he invested in local community schools across the South, really across the United States, uh, to ensure that black communities had proper education. So he would put in a, a third of the funding, the local communities had to put in a third of the funding, uh, and the um, and, and the and the local municipalities had to put in a third of the funding because they were required to have schools. So, you know, it's not just a civil rights issue that brings blacks and Jews together. I mean, it's something that our, you know, whether it's through, you know, our view of of the of the Bible, their view of the Old Testament, the story of Exodus, uh, the role of, you know, faith in our communities, uh, you know, the connection between the black and Jewish communities. I think it's something that's it's a really strong bond that, you know, like every relationship has had its ebbs and flows over the past. But I think especially now with the rise of you know, white supremacy being a uh, a key uh, a key threat to our communities and to all communities, yeah. uh, minority yeah. communities. I think it's something that we can really, you know, uh, really be appreciative of. Yeah, and then also the the what what you mentioned before. So there's that battle. Then there's also the educational battle and being able to help a culture, a generation from a culture, move forward and give them the tools to be able to move beyond their means. Well, so I would actually, I would, I would challenge that Seth a little bit. Look, the, the black community doesn't need the Jewish community for that. Right. They've been doing no, great. No, I'm saying that I'm saying that there's a parallel though, in, in, in oh. terms of working together. Oh yeah. I mean, there's yeah, not a need, true. but there's, right. if we're fighting, if we're, if we're fighting the same enemy, there's other ways that, um, that there's connection to be able to, to, to build upon. Yeah. Um, no, hundred uh, it, it, percent. It's right, a, well, you know, I would say it's a unique relationship that we have as, you know, people often don't, people don't think about the Jewish community as a minority community. So, but that's, yeah. So that's a kind of a really interesting thing because when you said that we're 2%, um, that the Jewish population is 2% of America, yeah. that's a minority. That's right. a huge minority. Um, but, yeah. I, but no one, I, if you ask someone, if you ask anyone, if the 
I don't think anyone would say there that the the Jew the Jews are a minority in America. I um a, a few years ago there was an anti-Semitic incident at a or a few of them at a uh, at a public university in the southeast, and so I I had a meeting as a, a part of a small group of, of AJC leaders had a meeting with the chancellor the provost the maybe the, the vice chancellor for communications and the vice dean the dean of student life something like that. And so I asked the question, you know, how many Jews do you think that there are? How many Jewish people do you think there are in the United, in the world? And they, one person said, I don't know, 50 million. And another person said 100 million. And one person said, I don't know, maybe 75. And I was like, there's 15 million of us in the world. And these are, you know, leading administrators at a very large public institution. They had no idea what the Jewish population was. Uh, and, and it goes to show, I think, mm-hmm. in part going back to the earlier comment about, you know, <clears throat> culture and, and, you know, Jewish, you know, comedy, you know, we do have an outsized um, voice in popular culture today because there are so many Jewish people who are famous celebrities or have been famous celebrities. I think there's probably yeah. fewer today than there were, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, but, you know, if you look back nostalgically, I mean, you know, there are a, a lot of us uh, in in the arts, in um, uh, in you know culture, in music, uh, every, every things like that. No, that makes a lot of sense. Well, we're running out of time, so I just want to kind of, um, and I appreciate the time you've given uh, yeah. to this. It seems like there's a lot of a lot a lot to talk about, but I'm I'm curious though, on, as being a fundraiser, how do you raise money? Uh, because it sounds like the, you have a huge organ, you have a very massive organization, not just here locally but nationally. So how does it work? Yeah. How, how do you so, raise? Is it personal foundations, personal donations, a mix of all? What do you got? Going yeah. So, so, um, so we raise money from three primary sources: uh, individuals, uh, family foundations, and corporations. Um, we, you know, our I wouldn't say that our fundraising is novel. Uh, we, you know, we. We connect with people. We meet with people. We want them to understand, uh, you know, who we are, what we do, why we're important, why it's important to support us, uh, the value that we provide. Uh, that that's one way. That's the primary way that we raise money. Um, the second way uh, we have honoree events. So you're a, a, a rockshineer. Um, we, you know, we we have two big honoree events a year. You know, for example, this year. On November 18th, we're uh, presenting uh, former Senator Johnny Isaacson with our National Human Relations Award. Uh, that award in the past few years has been presented to Carol Tomei, who's the current CEO of UPS, David Abney, the previous CEO of UPS, um, uh, Frank Blake, who's the former CEO of Home Depot, Paul Bowers, former CEO of Georgia Power, Jim Hannon, former CEO of Georgia Pacific, uh, Richard Anderson, former CEO of Delta, Larry Gellerstadt, Cousins Properties. Uh, we we have these wonderful. Can I wait? Let me. Make, uh, I feel like I missed somebody. Uh, Larry Frank. I mean, yeah. the fact you remembered all of them, I'm amazed. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot well, of names there. Well, they're also very supportive of us. You know, I, I think ah. that's one of the things is that people. You know, we when we when some when we ask somebody to accept uh, to be our honoree, we we want to make it so that it's not just about that one event, but that they stay connected with us. Yeah. Uh, and key. I think that's, that's something that's really been very special for us is, 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 is enhanced strengthening these relationships that we have. And it's not 
just with them, but it's ensuring that they, you know, that they, their companies, their uh, their partners, that they have a positive relationship with us. Um, mm-hmm. We so create. Normally, uh, normally we, we create, go ahead. We create meaningful experiences at at the event itself, so that it's not just yeah. a, a one-time thing. So those those were in-person events, though. How do you transition on November eighteenth to? You still find ways to make it personal. So the you know I believe very strongly in it, it, that a, a fundraising program should you should be able to see everybody if if you can, right? You want to find those ways of of mm-hmm. of making people feel that they're being that they're there with others. So you know enabling them to chat either with others or with the honoree. Um, you know, whether there's a tactile piece of it so that they have, you know, the program similar to what they would have received at, at the, uh, at the event, if they were in person, we haven't quite gone to the point, although many organizations are of delivering meals, um, yeah. desserts, appetizers, beverages, alcohol, wine. Uh, we, we haven't gotten quite there yet, but there's a lot of organizations that are doing it. But I believe that, especially in this virtual world, anything that we can do to make people, uh, to to use the set our five senses uh, to connect and and also it's about the work that we're doing. So you know we talked a little bit about our state of anti-Semitism report, but it's it, it's people understanding that their support for us makes a difference and enables us to create initiatives like these surveys, like you know furthering Black Jewish relations, like working meeting with working with elected officials. You know everything is connected for us. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's, uh, that's wonderful. Um, definitely. I, next time, uh, next time we talk, I'll block an hour of time. Oh, we don't have an hour? Well, I thought we had an hour. I was gonna, I'm ready to keep going. <laughs> no, we, well, we, can, we can keep going for a little bit though. That's fine. <laughs> uh, um, well, so, so yeah, so November 18th, if anyone's interested, they can go to AJC.org. Now, one question, this first, when I first got introduced to you, I was like, AJC. Yeah. And if you're not in Atlanta, AJC also stands for Atlanta Journal Constitution, the um, main newspaper. How often do you do, do people, you know, get get confused with that? Oh, every single day. We uh, I like to refer to them as the other AJC. Uh, in fact, <laughs> well, whenever I you were here out, first though, hundred years or something. Right? We were. That's right. I mean, they're a merger of two newspapers, so we've been around longer. Um, when I reach out to a new ju- reporter at the paper, I always uh, say hi. This is Dove, and I'm I'm happy to connect with you at the other AJC. Uh, by the way, there's another AJC in Atlanta. It's a uh, uh, AJC International. They're a food company, um, okay. but but it's we primarily go by because of the brand issue with the newspaper. We uh, more often than not go by American Jewish Committee. Yeah, makes it a little easier for us. Absolutely makes sense. Uh, well, we close all of our episodes by asking our guests to think of another guest uh, for the show and. Now that we've talked, I'm curious if you have someone that you'd like to recommend an Atlanta nonprofit organization to join me on Coffee Connections. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to uh, recommend my friend Jay Bailey, who's with the Russell Center for Innovation and uh, Entrepreneurship. Uh, they He will be able to describe what they do much better than I can. <laughs> uh, but he's a tremendous leader in the community and I think somebody who you would uh, enjoy chatting with. All right. Uh, well, I look forward to that. Thank you so much. And uh um, folks, we'll be back. Uh, well, I'll be back on Thursday, uh, and hopefully, you'll still be alive and well, and not glued to your TV, and be able to join us here at Coffee Connections. Dove, thanks so much for uh, your time. Really appreciate having you. 
It was, it was absolutely my pleasure. But wait, who are you going to be with on Thursday? Uh, this Thursday, that's a good question. Um, uh, because I, I totally got mixed up with days. But Thursday, um, Thursday is, that's right, the Gateway Center. Gateway oh, Center. Very are cool. Are you familiar with them? I've, I've seen the name. I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not sure exactly what they do, but it sounds interesting. I'm interested to tune in to be able to uh, check it out and learn more. Well, and everyone watching, you tune in too. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon. And uh, be safe. Be happy. Be healthy. And uh, drink coffee.